Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 92, and we're continuing to branch out with the makers on our show, and today we're going to talk with another artist, but in a different medium. And Jenny Bauer runs a custom engraving business where she specializes in her own style of embellishment on basically anything made from metal. From old tape measures to custom hand planes, she's been making unique pieces of art for her customers. And she got her start somewhat by happenstance, trying to support her husband's clock making. But she's grown Bauer Engraving into a full-fledged business with a huge demand, and she shares with us today how she got there. Yeah, Jen has been a huge inspiration to the Instagram community since she came on the scene. With over 70,000 followers, she showcases her incredible talent on a daily basis, and she also shows off her unbelievable fearlessness of tackling basically any project she puts her mind to. Whether it's dabbling in woodworking or showing off her drawing skills, Brad and I absolutely love her content, her positive attitude, and we had a blast having her on the show. Yeah, before we hop in, we do want to remind you, time is running out to register for Spring Make. So if you're looking to grow your skill set with some hands-on courses and some technical lessons, you want to go ahead and head over to the show and check it out. You can register at springmakeshow.com. And if you use the promo code MADEFORPROFIT, you can save 200 bucks. So make sure you check that out. That'll also be in the show notes. Yes, hurry up. Get on over there. The show is April 25th through the 27th, so you're running out of time. And we are super stoked and looking forward to seeing tons of the tribe there in Cleveland. Absolutely. And some of the folks who joined the MFP patron tribe this week, we had Dennis Nestor and Harris Brunning. Guys, thank you so much. If you do want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. But without further ado, here's our interview with Jenny Bauer. All right, guys, we are excited to have Jenny Bauer from Bauer Engraving with us. Jenny, welcome to Made for Profit. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are really excited to talk to you uh, because your stuff is just so amazing. Uh, the content that you put out and the just intricate designs of what you're doing and how inspiring you are in your your Instagram feed. And, and we really were we're excited to dive in and kind of learn about all those things you do behind it and the business aspect as well. So, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I just like to reiterate. So I make you say it twice. You're like, I know I already told you I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Let's get ripping. So, so yeah. So why don't, uh, what we'd like to do is, you know, a lot of people, uh, may not know you. So if you could just give us a brief overview, you know, five minutes uh, or, or less on, hey, here's here's Jenny Bauer, here's what my channel's about, and here's what I do. Okay. Um, my primary art and vocation is hand engraving, which is generally done on metal. Um, I do just about all my designs are original designs, unless I'm asked to engrave something like somebody's logo or handwriting. Um, I started 
I would say, I'm not sure of the exact date. It's been over 10 years, though, now that I've been engraving, but really focused in on it more in the last five, I would say. Um, I started out, uh, I actually went to college for something totally different. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in language arts and a minor in um, education. So I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And when I graduated, there weren't a lot of teaching jobs. And so I started working um, with my husband, who is a clockmaker, and helping him out with his business. And um, he had seen a lot of different clocks and watches that were engraved and showed them to me and said, hey, I think, you know, you might like to do this because I was always a little bit artistic. So I started exploring it about 10 years ago. I'm self-taught, um, just got the tools and started practicing and trying. I started out with um, jewelry engraving with the goal of eventually engraving on my husband's clocks. And that has kind of taken taken a weird path along the way and turned into tools and all kinds of different things. So um, I'm, I'm honestly still exploring my craft really um, I get asked all the time, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you engrave this tool or can you engrave this piece of jewelry? And a lot of times it's stuff I've never done before. So I have to say, hmm, well, let me think about that sometimes <laughs> and then kind of go from there. So uh, what I show on my Instagram page um, is really what I'm doing in real life. It's whatever project I'm working on at that time. So if it's engraving, it might be an order I'm working on for a client or maybe something I'm exploring to sell potentially down the road. And then I also document a lot of my other little side projects for DIY and things like that in the shop and in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your, your feed is, is beautiful. And it's interesting to hear, you know, that you're like, well, I was kind of have this, uh, artistic. It's like, yes, clearly <laughs> <laughs> hard to undersell there, right? <laughs> Very hard to undersell because the, the stuff, uh, you know, in knowing, uh, that, that, you know, you don't have training that is like, uh, professional training or, you know, you know, schooling or whatever or tutelage or apprenticeship, like, like that just blows my mind because, uh, you know, the stuff you do is just is just pure art form. And and it just it, it's great to see like and other people that have the skill sets are so different from yours. And I look at that and I'm like, I, you know, I, I can't do a curve. You know, I couldn't do a, a steady curve to save my life. It's like, <laughs> but I could do yes. a straight line. I get a ruler and I just, I just draw it. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. When I started, actually, um, I just practiced doing straight lines and circles for a long time and they looked horrible. Like, my old plates are so embarrassing. Uh, but that is actually kind of the fundamental is learning to cut a straight line without a ruler. You have to just do it by hand and eye. And once you learn to do that confidently, then you can maneuver into other things. So that's what I started was just repetitive, taking a Sharpie and ruler, drawing lines and, and cutting them. So could you always draw? Because I uh, I noticed something that blew me away was that you're ambidextrous, right? So you can draw mm -hmm. with both hands. I like I literally was jaw on the floor watching watching <laughs> you uh, switch back and forth in some of your Instagram stories and stuff. But is that something, mm -hmm. been something you've always been able to do, or was that also just a skill you decided I need to be able to draw with both hands? No, I didn't know I could do it until just like two years ago. Actually, um, I'm dominantly left-handed, 
But for a lot of tasks in the shop or like at school, we didn't always have lefty scissors and that kind of thing. So I learned how to do things right handed. And I don't remember if it was on Instagram or another friend sometime mentioned, you know, a lot of people are ambidextrous. You should see if you can write with both hands. So I did and I could and I I just didn't know that I could until I tried it. It was kind of weird. <laughs> now that I go is... back and forth like all the time without thinking. Yeah, that it's it's so incredible. I mean, I mean, so sometimes you'll put like your well, when you're practicing is what you call it, like um, up on your feed. And I think that that type of stuff is so inspirational. That's why I love your content so much. And if you guys aren't following Jen, her uh, her Instagram um, handle is uh, jbowerengraving. Um, and you like you said, you get to follow along with what's going on in the shop, what project you're working on, as well as I think your stories are awesome because you're always showing something that's mind blowing um, with with your with your amazing skill set. But it also gives you that like deep dive into something that is uh, you can like sort of assimilate with it as a woodworker or a furniture maker. But it, it, it is like so intriguing and unique that I like the engraving stuff is it's just so detailed and like it's extremely intimidating for me to watch because I'm like, my goodness, I will never be this good at anything. And you're two handed cranking it out and stuff and making it look simple. Um, but I know that comes with a lot of practice, which is what I was getting at was I, I love seeing um, someone that is as accomplished as yourself, uh, even just starting the show, saying that you're constantly learning and trying to become even better and then even going into something that is maybe tangential with the writing and uh, drawing and practicing with both hands. And some of us are like, oh, you know, I cut a dovetail today. Like, I'm good. Like, I got my practice in. Like, that's cool. And then <laughs> and then there's Jen who's like, yeah, I know. I, I drew a wall mural with my non-dominant hand, blindfold, you know, in the dark. It was it was good. Like So, uh, I, like, I truly appreciate that type of stuff in your content. I just want to put it out there. If you guys aren't following her to check it out because it's – because it's incredible, but um, you know, kind of segueing into the made-for-profit type theme, you know, um, so so how much of a benefit has like that mindset actually brought to your business? Do you think that like you're constantly trying to improve not only uh, the type of work you're doing, but the skills that go into it in 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 conjunction with uh, the actual end product itself? Um, it's kind of weird because I didn't start out real confident with engraving at all. I mean, I, I did not know what I was doing. So I was starting from square one on my own. Part of why I didn't really want to take lessons and instruction. Um, I could go out to courses. They do teach engraving courses in other parts of the country at the time, like financially, it wasn't really an option for me, but also I didn't ever really want to be influenced by somebody else's style and art. And there are a lot of really specific styles with engraving. And I, I just wanted to kind of figure it out and get the feel for it myself. So along the way, I gained confidence with it. Um, but I, I don't consider myself a master engraver. There are so many people better than me. And I always feel like there's room for improvement. So I do apply that with other things like, you know, I've done a little bit of woodworking, wood turning. I've just tried to just look at any of that, like, okay, I'm just going to start at square one and see what happens. Like, I mean, the ambidextrous thing is a silly example, but I thought, well, I'll just see if I could do it. And I could. And then I've practiced it more and more to hone that just the same way as I would with trying out anything. If I like it, I'm going to stick with it and go with it. So as far as like an end product, I'm always looking for ways to improve and get better and more crisp with my lines, more elaborate with my designs. Um, 
I do work under a microscope, so I'm always adding more and more detail as I can. So it's just, I think I would get bored with it if, with anything, if I was like, oh, this is it. Like, I'm really good at that. And I'm just going to bang 500 of those out. That's just not going to be me. There has to be some artistic development along the way. Yeah, that, that's really, that's really neat. And and hearing the progression, like I, I what I really want to understand is like, so I love hearing how you thought through that and how you basically became an engraver. Like when, when was that switch go off? So, right. It started as like, Hey, maybe I can uh, do this thing and, and kind of have this nice synergy between my husband's business and what I'm doing. When did you get to the point, you know, how far along in the journey where, uh, somebody, you know, whatever that first time where someone was like, Hey, I want to, can you do this for me for money? Or, or did it start with friends and family? Like, how did that happen? Were you giving your practice things away or showing that? Did you start your Instagram before you started the business? Like kind of walk us a bit through that about how the business aspect of it really came to life. Uh, the business aspect came to life. Um, I just, I ordered some sterling silver blanks and just decided to engrave like some initial pendants for my girlfriends or monograms to practice. Cause I thought if I'm just going to be cutting letters, it'd be nice to actually make something rather than just these (laughs) practice plates. So I would give them away. And, um, one of our customers actually that came into the clock shop, she saw me working and she said, have you ever heard of Etsy before? And she told me about Etsy as like a place for artisans to sell their work. And she said, you should really consider selling those on Etsy. I think people would be interested. So I looked into it and I opened an Etsy account and I started selling um, monogrammed pendants, pretty much just sterling silver um, name names, initials. And then when I got good at lettering, I kind of branched out into doing simple designs. And I had a pretty good business like within a couple of years um, through Etsy. What became a challenge with that is as Etsy grew bigger and, you know, more mass market products kind of leached in. Right. Um, I'm sure you hear that story a lot. A lot of artisans' things get lost. And then also monogram jewelry became really popular a few years ago again, and people were using machines for it and marketing it as handcrafted because they were pushing the button on the machine. Ah, yes. (laughs) And so, like, our stuff was coming up in the same searches, and that was really hard for me because my stuff really is – done by hand I'm cutting the metal by hand and so people would say well how come your price is this versus this it's like well that person's sticking a disc in a machine which I mean it's it's great for what it is but I just was having trouble competing with that so I thought okay if I'm going to keep doing this now uh, probably just doing lettering unless it's somebody looking for hand script kind of old school lettering it's not going to be a good fit for me. And I started kind of exploring more into the artistic end of it and selling more um, custom designs or like hand lettered fonts that these machine people weren't doing. Um, So I I did the Etsy thing for a while. And then um, let's see, I'd say about, I think it was three years ago. um, My husband, who's a clockmaker was featured on a couple of different uh, television shows about handcraft and both of the shows that came to film uh, the crew was really interested in what I did and on each crew there was somebody that said hey have you ever heard of Instagram like you should 
<laughs> consider showing stuff on Instagram. And I was like, okay. And so after they said that and then a couple more people did, I decided to look into it. And that was when I started documenting my work on Instagram. So I haven't been on Instagram really that long, but it was joining social media and showing actual video footage of what hand engraving is that kind of opened a door to me to a whole new realm of engraving that I, I wasn't finding on my own. Gotcha. And so from there, it, that became like, as you shared, you're, were you then getting like custom requests? Like, hey, can you engrave, mm -hmm. you know, some things is more elaborate, like you said, than just monograms, like they're saying, yeah. you know, can, can you engrave a design on a tool or on a, on a specific piece? Yeah. And as I got engraving more, I just started seeing metal as like, I call it my canvas. It's just blank metal. It's like, oh, how could I fill that? So I engraved a couple hand planes for friends of ours and other people have hand have engraved, engraved hand planes. That's not like a new concept, but I wanted to do it again, kind of in my own way, my own style. So I did some for friends, like with their names on them and things. And then documented that on Instagram. So that kind of opened up. And then as that progressed, then I was looking for other things to engrave. And one thing I love engraving is calipers. And I find those all over the place. And so I, I love having those around and then just do them as I'm inspired to do. So some of those, I just come up with my own design and sell them outright. And other times people contact me and they're looking for like a specific style or design. Mm. Yeah, the calipers are they're stunning. I mean, I, I always find what you're engraving almost as cool as the engraving itself, because there's always what, like something awesome that you're trying to, to turn into something cool. I've seen some of the, you know, very high end custom uh, block planes that are floating around the uh, maker community, which are oh, abso yeah. like absolutely the one you did gorgeous. for Izzy was, yeah, oh, yeah, insane. Was insane. And, then, and then some uh, like you did a um, a lock. Uh, the lock was so cool, and I and I assume that you know curved surfaces and stuff are a little bit different uh, than mm -hmm. flat surfaces, but it's just always something that's so impressive. Um, and and I think what's you know amazing about it is that we we promote Instagram as an opportunity to showcase uh, your work and what you're doing, um, sort of in a passive voice, and create community and interest in what you're doing. Um, and you don't have to essentially be salesy to succeed in business and be on Instagram. Um, and a lot of our listeners struggle with that. They're like, oh, I'm not converting clients and whatnot, and I don't really understand it. I think you're a prime example of essentially like the behind the scenes kind of value you can bring to something that is almost as mysterious, right, as engraving. You know, a lot of people don't know what goes into it or the toolings that go into it or, um, you know, the specific jigs and stuff that go into it. And I, and I think you're a great example for all of our listeners who are looking to complement their uh, business with Instagram and how you can go about it in a in a very uh, you know uh, unique way to yourself um, in a with a passive voice that's not shoving product down people's throats um, and and still you know have some wins because I think it's I think it's beautiful how you're able to uh, go from something like Etsy that that Brad and I have talked about on the show before where I know that there's a struggle because it's just so saturated right with so many people putting stuff out there um, and it immediately is putting competition for your prices up there with your own goods. So we kind of mm -hmm. push people away from it and then going into doing, you know, a little bit more of your quote unquote marketing on Instagram and seeing success with things you probably could never have dreamed of um, coming to you on, on something like Etsy. Um, you know, 
and 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 we talk about that on the show a lot. I happen to go through a very similar um, evolution using Instagram. You know, you start getting stuff that comes in the door that you do it once, you never want to touch it again, or you've done you know fifty of them, and they turn out to be something that you absolutely love. But they wouldn't have been there if you were trying to just move whatever the product was on something like Etsy. So um, <laughs> something like Instagram is amazing for that. I mean. Going into it, uh, knowing that you love the calipers, like you just said, like what do you think was the, I guess, coolest project that came from like an Instagram inquiry? Because I get I get wild stuff all the time just on Instagram, <laughs> but I can't even imagine what an engraver would get. Oh, I get all kinds of stuff. Um, I guess there's not one specific. Well, Izzy's plane was a big one when you mentioned Izzy Swan um, because I told him no like three or four times. <laughs> and I know Izzy, you guys yeah. know Izzy, and he was up here and he invited me out to dinner and brought the plane to dinner and just handed it to me and was like, just take it home and think about it and like do whatever you want to it. And I was so nervous to touch it because it was a really, really nice mm -hmm. plane and I hadn't done anything of that level before. So that, that is one. Um, anytime a maker trusts me to take something they've made and add my art to it, it's, really exciting and really humbling at the same time because a lot of the people I work with on Instagram, I see their work ethic. I see what goes into their product and for them to hand me a tool that they've made and ask me to engrave on it or to make some type of a maker's mark for a woodworking item they've made. I'm representing them and their work and adding my work to it. So I feel like that is exciting and there's also a balance of how to do that. Um, but it's just created some great connections with other people, uh, across the country and actually around the world. And I've done a few things for makers overseas and it's just really cool to be asked to, to add to something they're doing or, um, just to have people kind of toss ideas around like, Hey, what would you think about working together on this? And then, you know, collaborating and, and just seeing how that's going to mesh. Yeah, it is awesome. And and I, I am sad to say I have not actually installed this yet. But Jenny uh, so graciously offered to have a little engraved plate for my daughter's desk. And it's sitting on my I've been like, I haven't even finished the top. That's why I've not done it. I did like the one coat. So this is like the, the life of a YouTuber. I like did the first coat and that looks good enough for video. And I put it on there. The top still has the one coat. It is still not attached <laughs> and it's sitting behind a couch. But uh, but yes. And, and so that was like so cool. And I really appreciate that. I just wanted to publicly thank you for that, Jenny. So uh, oh, you know, she welcome. she said, hey, I would love to, you know, this wasn't like she was just an outreach. Like, hey, I would love to add a little embellishment to your daughter's desk and have her have something she can think about when when she looks at the desk. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so amazing. And then. Uh, I ended up like writing in my handwriting, taking a picture of it and sending it to Jenny and she engraved it like, and it looks exactly like my handwriting. And I was like, this is insane. <laughs> no, it's like chicken scratch and metal, but it's, yes. <laughs> she didn't make, she didn't make my handwriting look better, which I guess is, shows how talented she is to be able to, to <laughs> go, go chicken scratch, like mimic okay, that awfulness, <laughs> mimic the chicken scratch. But, <laughs> but yes, like something like that. Uh, so first of all, thank you so much for that, Jenny. I really appreciate that. And that will be installed. And and yes, I'm just so behind on that. But like having, I, I think that's the cool thing about about your craft specifically of, of engraving is that 
you're you're not I mean, I mean you do you can create things on your own but you're taking things that are already created and personalizing them in, in a way like whether it's through the calipers or adding a, an embellishment plate or something that that there's just there's so much um tangible memory and, and it's like you know that's it's something that just adds weight and value to something that like is that when you look at that from a business perspective uh and as an artisan like how does that you know do, do you uh charge by the hour like how do you value that seems like that's something very hard to value because it's not a commodity by any stretch of the imagination mm-hmm. uh and there there's it's it's just a whole different way so like what does that look like for you as far as like pricing structure not you know you don't have to save your stuff but like how how do you value things is it on an hourly basis or do you look at it by the project like how does that all work out for you as an artisan um it's a little bit of both um before when i was doing more precious metals with silver and things like that i was factoring in like with jewelry what's a silver pendant going for that kind of thing when i switched more into engraving existing items that I actually struggled with that a lot. Um, one of the first kind of unusual things I documented that I engraved on Instagram that was pretty big early on uh, were tape measures. And I did a lot of like old master streamline and Lufkins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those tape measures aren't really worth much on their own, maybe 25 to 50 bucks, but I'll have hours of engraving on them. So at that point, it becomes more of an art, functional art piece. And so my market, it, what, what was funny at the time was, you know, there's always that one guy on Instagram that leaves the comment that's just like, oh, okay, so it was, <laughs> yes. you know, like, it's a tape measure. I don't really get it. Like, why would you put all that work into a tape measure? And so I started calling it unnecessary embellishment because it's totally unnecessary. Like (laughs) it's a functioning tape measure. It's just, it's an embellishment that's just meant to be enjoyed by the person who owns it. So the way I charge is usually, yes, I figure whatever I have into the item. So I don't know, 50 bucks for the tape, the vintage tape measure. But then I have time into the design and time into the engraving. And it is a unique craft that not a lot of people do. So there's some value in that. And it's not being done, um, you know, by CNC or a laser machine. I'm doing it by hand. So I figure in reasonable estimate of how much time it's going to take me. So I'm charging, I guess I would say, by the design hour and the the time. Gotcha. On that token, you know, I can get really crazy elaborate on something and spend a lot of time and maybe not get all the money out of it. But I have that prerogative sometimes. So, right. I guess that's probably the uh, one of the things that as an artist that you have to probably watch, right? It's like, okay, I quoted five hours, but oh my gosh, this will be like you had, I'm sure, like ideas (laughs) spark in your mind all the time. But what if I did this like crazy back? Like what I, mm-hmm. I can't I can't even make up terms I don't even know uh, <laughs> what to do but uh, but yeah that, that's an interesting proposition because that is, I was just sitting there thinking about you know okay what if this was my business how how would I do this and it's it's very different where your material cost is is very low typically versus like a woodworker who might have several hundreds of dollars worth of, of right. walnut in there and 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 you know sending something out for finishing and supplies and all these things hinges hardware. Whereas, you know, it, especially with your unnecessary embellishment, that's a fantastic, that should be a website, unnecessaryembellishment.com. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, but having those things and then like the value that you're adding is all 
you. It's all the creative. And mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, um, you know, people will pay a premium for that because it they, they should because it's, you know, it's a supply and demand. There's not a lot of it out there. So that's that's a really cool way to look at your business as an artist. And as we, you know, most of the people we talk about are kind of like uh, blocking and tackling, just constructing an, an hourly rate plus materials equals, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And a lot of the things I make really are one of a kind. I'm not going to be making that design again. A lot of times it's just a fresh, a tape measure is a good example. They're not all the same. They're all different. So when I send those out, that's a one of a kind piece that that person's going to have. There's not another one exactly ever going to be exactly like it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, Go ahead, John. I was just going to say that is hugely important, uh, especially in a, in a business involving any type of craft is, you know, you need to be able to differentiate yourself, one, from your competition within what you're doing, but two, within, you know, whether it's your local community or your internet community or whatever it might be. Um, and that's how you're you're able to, you know, charge a, a rate in which you actually do feel like you're getting your value back. Um, when you're just promoting things on something like Etsy and they're able to, you know, show a, a handmade custom item and then something that's maybe 80% as close to looking similar made on a machine and be a hundredth of the price or whatever it might be, you mm-hmm. know, kind of devalues the the artistry behind it. And um, we're always advocating on the show for, for all of our small business listeners who are trying to sell goods to find out what those things are that differentiate you, find out those things that bring value to you and your business individually, instead of trying to just mirror what someone else is doing, do exactly that. Um, and, and then finding that balance between them, because it's always a struggle, right, with being uh, just an all in artist and then trying to balance the business side of things. And I think that that's um, something that you do a good job of is still incorporating passion projects. Right. I mean, uh, you roll through your content and you still show some of the stuff that might be uh, just for fun or just to learn. Um, and it might not even be engraving. Right. Like you just you just wrapped up a chair. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And and I was looking at this and I was my like this is it's so impressive because each one of our trades is or craft is an absolute rabbit hole that you could go down for millennia. Like there's so much to learn, right? <laughs> but taking the time to learn something that is perhaps been on your bucket list for a long period of time and just getting those, you know, creative juices uh turning and, and stimulated in another sense that's not particularly what pays the bills every day can be so valuable to your overall wellness as a small business owner. And it's something that I think a lot of us don't appreciate as much as we should. You know, I, I, uh, this year I've like tried to make an emphasis on stop trying to do a thousand different things decently, like really work on your craft. But then if you want to learn something like learn it, don't just start it and put it in the corner, like go into it. And when I saw you complete the chair, I was like, my goodness, because that those do not happened quickly. Like making a chair is not a, you know, one day build kind of thing. Um, but knowing that you put the time and effort into either taking the course or learning the craft or whatever it, it took to go into that as well as running your business and working on your craft. I think it's truly admirable and something that most of us should be, uh, trying to attain as small business owners. And like that kind of fearlessness, I think is, 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 is a beautiful part of, not only uh, the type of content you put out there, but like what you promote in the, in the community as well. Cause it's always stuff you're talking about on your story, I feel like. And, and it just makes your brand much more approachable and like real, you know, some people struggle with having, you know, being like cold on screen. I think that's something you bring across beautifully. So just a little bit, like little tidbit I wanted to relate back to the audience on that topic, but 
man, the chair was impressive. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm like intimidated by the chair and I do woodworking like <laughs> almost every single day. Um, well, thank you. It was something I wanted to do because, um, ironically I engrave a lot of hand tools, but I'm not, I don't really know how to use them. So I know how a hand plane works, but I've never, I never really actually used one or these different types of shaves and traversers. So a chair project kind of gave me just a quick all in crash course on how to use those items and feel, you know, how they move and what happens. And the instructor, um, I took the class with, he actually made a lot of the tools that we used. So that was cool too, because as I'm leaving, he's like, Hey, if I do a traverser class, would you want to take it? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to learn how to make my own traversers. Like that's just a great skill to have. So it, it was kind of engraving the planes that got me more interested in it. And I'm not a woodworker by any means, but it was just fun to kind of stick my toe in the water of woodworking and give that a try. Yeah, I think keeping that also, keeping that in the forefront of your mind as, you, as you're getting pulled in, right, it gives you it gives you a more relationship with your customers too, right, mm-hmm. I'm sure, so that you can know and that, you know, maybe as you were using it, and I don't know if they, you know, took it apart or whatever, if you had it, you know, maybe it's like, oh, well, what if I embellished like the chip breaker instead of, you know, <laughs> like the frog or like the side and like, you know, having that conversation mm-hmm. always goes a long way to be able to, to help tease that out. But like as you're, as you're getting your business, like at this point, like is most of your business coming from word of mouth or, or Instagram or, you know, how does that break down for you right now as far because I know you, you have all these great opportunities. How does that look for mm-hmm. you at the moment? Um, I would say a lot of it is coming from both Instagram and word of mouth. They're kind of meshed together because um, as more people who find me on social media um, and hire me to do different jobs and they're posting about it or they're asking, hey, who did that mm. for you? And so now I can see it spiraling more into a word of my a word of mouth type thing. And even locally, um, it was the same way when I did projects for friends and that spawned into their friends asking if I could do things. Um, so I've definitely seen it within the maker community. I mean, Izzy is a good example. After Izzy was showing off his hand plane, then I had a lot of people asking, oh, hey, can how can I get you to do something like that on one of my tools? So, and for me, that's, that's the best advertising because I, I'm not a good business person in the sense of the traditional ways of marketing skills and product. Um, so Instagram was a good fit for me because I could just set up my phone on a tripod and record what I'm doing versus trying to figure out, making a, an advertisement or how to say what I'm doing concisely. Like I can just show it and a picture's worth a thousand words, a little video clip. It's like, Oh, okay. I get, I get it now. I see what you're doing. So I think sometimes that draws people in and they'll see a video clip of me working and they get curious about it. And then they think, well, I want something that you, you hand make like now they're connected to it because they've seen the process of how it right. comes together. When a lot of people might not realize that's how hand engraving is done. A lot of people still look at my things and think that it's done uh, with a CNC or laser. And I'm like, no, that's not what it is. This is what it is. And when they see it, it's like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love that aspect of it too. And, and like when I look at your feed it's it's so beautiful. It's so well done. Do you do most of it on your cell phone or do you use DSLR Everything. for 
Every See, I, I love that. That is, that is awesome. So again, yeah. going and, and checking out her feed and just seeing, and I'm assuming you're using some filters on there for some things, but for one, your lighting is like super on point. And I could see that you're obviously your composition and that you don't have to have fancy equipment to have a really amazing Instagram feed. You know, we talk about everybody's like, oh, what, what DSLR should I get? And it's like, well, you know, use what you already have. Like almost mm -hmm. everybody, I mean, if you're on Instagram, you're going to have a smartphone, obviously. And most of them these days have pretty decent cameras. And being able to, to, to make a feed and have it look like yours only using a camera just, you know, totally reinforces that. And that's a great, and now we're going to be using you. Be like, yeah, go check out uh, Jenny Bauer. And it's all camera. <laughs> like wow. She does it all I get her that phone. question a lot too. And we did buy a nice camera, which I've used like twice. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just taking me too much time. I didn't want to do all the photo editing and moving things back and forth. Because it, it's a lot of time involved. You guys, I mean, you put a lot of time into what your content is, both on Instagram and YouTube. And I just wanted to do little clips of whatever I was doing. So I have this, I call it my Jed Clampett tripod. It's so bad. <laughs> like I use blue, the blue painter's tape and take my phone to it. <laughs> it's always nice. like jimmied up funny, <laughs> but I'll just quick hit record when I'm doing something and then I can come back to it later. I have great lighting in the shop, so that helps. But you don't have to have crazy, ridiculous equipment and time. And I don't want to, like, I just... I hate to say the phrase like keep it real, but that's kind of the best way to explain it. Like, I just really do want to keep it real. Like this is really me just working in my shop. I'm not posing for a picture. I'm not trying to overthink how this is going to look later. It's even worse quality. A lot of times I do video and then I'm just doing a screenshot of a still along the video and working with that. But that's really me in the moment. So I try to make it look as good as I can, but I I want to use that to tell a story without it looking too posed, too overproduced, mm -hmm. too much like a magazine ad. And I think that that connects to my audience um, more effectively in the long run. Yeah. And it does have a great, I love that, you know, keeping it real because what that also, I think it, it intertwines perfectly with your brand, which, you know, has a vintage feel to it. So it's kind of like earthy and it's not like super bright and everything modern it's like you know it, it's exactly like the stuff that you're working on which is a lot of vintage and and kind of the dark tones and i just i just love scrolling through your feed i mean i've kind of destroyed my feed because i do all video now so it's not it's not you know procured or or, or catered or anything like that curated thank you john i was searching for that one um i like catered I just bring food into my phone, you know, some almonds. Uh, but yes, I, I just, I love, I love the, the feel of it and the fact that you're doing it all, you know, just on the phone and kind of in the moment, because a lot of people, you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of people get caught up. And so it's nice that you're freed from it, but a lot of people get caught up and they're like, Oh, you know, I don't know if this is just right. And then all of a sudden you've spent as much time trying to, convey what you've done as the time it took you to do it, yes. which is not, which is not going to be beneficial as a, as a business owner. No. <laughs> so what are some of the things that, you know, as, as you've been in Instagram specifically, um, so you've got a, a strong following, you know, you said you've not been on there too, too long, but, um, you know, there are things that you've, that have helped you that you've seen like, Hey, yeah, I, I see that these succeed. We just did a whole big thing about how videos is, is super hot right now. Um, and we have an episode that 
I guess will have come out a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. But uh, you know, what have you seen that's really worked for you that that's resonated with your community and audience? Um, I probably go against the grain of most of the people that would answer that question. A lot of people, I think, are really chasing the follower numbers and you know trying to get that video with X amount of views. And there's good things in that related to certain businesses. For me, that's probably not a great thing to strive after if I'm just looking at having a couple hundred thousand followers and every video I make being super successful. That's not necessarily going to turn into work for me. That can turn into a, to a fan club, but I, I really want to be kind of targeting people that are actually interested in purchasing my product and using my skill set. So um, I just look at it a little differently. I think it's really easy to get caught up in that. And then you're doing what you're saying in Mindigo where you're spending all day like documenting or trying to make this perfect video of something that maybe isn't worth it time-wise. So that's part of why I just like to document things as I can. So I... Whenever people ask me for advice, I say, you know, what's kind of, what is your end game? You know, are you trying to be Insta famous where you have just like this huge account, just have a huge account, or are you trying to sell a product or are you trying to get your foot in the door? Like, I feel like there's just a lot of different avenues that that can take. Um, Instagram has been good for me for publicity. You know, I've gotten some great interviews out of it. I've gotten some magazine features. I was in the Wall Street Journal. There's just a lot of fun things that people can find you, but popularity only goes so far. It's not going to, it's not going to put money in the bank for me every day. So I like to have more of my goal of finding people that are interested in what I'm doing. They're interested enough to follow and purchase what I'm making or ask me to work with them in some way. So, I mean, that might be a little backwards compared to a lot of people. I, you know, I've had a few things go viral and that's fantastic, but I don't really know how much that helped me like in the long run right. other than that. Oh, that was really a cool video. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fantastic because it's, it's, it's a very difficult balance for a lot of our listeners, especially, um, that are looking to sell product in being that you can easily start uh, mimicking and copying the kind of content Brad and I produce, which is for the sake of content like alone, like it's standalone, just trying mm -hmm. to promote the content itself. Um, and so, you know, we're cutting up a YouTube video into small little, you know, nibbles and and making it look a certain way and sounds and stuff like we're, we're trying to appeal to a way different audience than someone who's trying to buy whatever your um like might be selling whatever I'm building in that video. Um, so it's a completely different strategy. And I think it being overcome by that idea of, oh my goodness, I have to have all of these followers to be successful when really you don't, you just have to provide value to the audience that already exists for you and emphasize on what, it, what, what comes important to your business. And for yourself, it's, you know, showcasing the quality of the work, actually showing that you're hand tooling um, everything that you're making, showing a little bit of the shop, showing some of your personality of you as a human, making your brand more approachable and then not um, and, and not worrying too much about, you know, did I pick up, you know, a thousand followers this month? You know, how's my channel growing? 
um, because that'll come naturally. So for all of you listening that are trying to figure out how to balance the Instagram content creation with uh, sales or production of, of goods, I mean, uh, Jen may not be doing custom woodworking, but is a perfect example of how you can easily incorporate content production into whatever you're making and not stray away from the business uh, as right. a whole and what you're trying to do because I know that's a struggle. I was there. I mean, I was trying to move custom work <laughs> and I'm like, but I want to go viral and I want more sponsors yeah. and I want this. Yeah. And I was like, wait, well, wait, I want to be a content creator. I don't even want to sell furniture anymore. What is funny is is what you said, like honestly, Janine, so it hasn't actually come out. We literally just recorded it before we got on the phone with you. Like what you said was almost verbatim what we talked about mm-hmm. in the episode, which is, oh. which is so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, to, to say you know, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And if, if you're going for, to be Insta famous, I mean, that was mm-hmm. like, all, like I said, almost verbatim what we talked about. And, and it's great to see that you, you know, that you clearly realize that. I mean, I think the, the one area where I'm like a little bit on the fence would be like, if you have something that goes viral and you get more followers, mm-hmm. then you get that word of mouth. Yes. And especially for you, who, um, who you sell a product that is uh, very easily shippable and, 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 you know, main, I'll say attainable, but I don't, I don't know, you know, as far as like the pricing brackets, but, uh, so having a huge wide audience, uh, is probably actually good for your business because you could ship almost anywhere, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're a local table maker and you're making, you know, 10 foot long dining tables, eh, yeah, you can ship across the, you know, the country and stuff, but it's going to be a lot harder where your barrier for logistics is probably a lot more wide open. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I fully expect that, some of those viral followers will lead to business down the road, whether it's sure. for word of mouth, like, Hey, did you see, you know, what, what Jenny was engraving today? What yeah. was this? This is awesome. I want to buy something. Oh, sure. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, what I mean, and maybe I should explain it a little more clearly is for me personally, if I get too honed in, on trying to come up with a successful video. I think I'm going to lose my direction. That's, that's what sure, I mean. Sure, um, sure. So when that happens, it's just like, Oh, that, Hey, that's a bonus. Like, the one that went crazy last year was like, I don't know, I think it was close to 1.3 or 1.4 million views was using a treadle scroll saw, which is so funny to me because there's, it's just me on a treadle scroll saw, but that thing went nuts (laughs) and I wasn't planning it. That's just a tool in the shop that I actually use sometimes. So that's where the realness comes is I thought, oh, hey, people might think this is interesting. And they did. Now, if I was going to try to chase that every time, it just wouldn't be me. So, yeah, I'm always thankful when I get followers and I'm thankful um, when things connect. But I I was finding if I overthink it too much, it's just going to lose the authenticity. So I just have to keep doing what feels right for me. That's more what I meant by that. Sure. No, no, 100% agree. Uh, I, I think you're obviously hitting it right on the head. But that's it's it's really great to hear uh, how you've kind of come to these things on your own conclusion of like all these things. We're like, hey, look, here's what's it's like. We literally were just talking about that, like something that <laughs> yes. most makers think are so mundane. Mm-hmm. Like that's the stuff that for whatever reason goes goes viral. And and people just like love it because they've either not seen it. You know, they don't know what a trail scroll so is. They've not seen it in action. And you're like, I use this thing like all, you know, every day, all week or whatever it is. And you but to have the foresight to think, yeah, man, people might be interested in that is is really great because it's just it's just more behind the scenes stuff and it's not it's supplementary right it's that's not going to be your main content right. it's showing something here or there 
is is great. And I remember the first time I was watching some of your content and I saw the thing that like, you know, to you, I'm sure is just like, you don't even think about it. But when I saw like the clamping devices that you use to hold the metal and like how it mm-hmm. spins and it has, you know, whatever it has, the bearings or whatever. So you can spin it around and turn it because I always wondered like, how, how do you turn that? And how do you, how do you physically, cause I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure it's important to keep a consistent and straight line because starting and stopping like anything, even drawing with a pencil, like you can see that line. And mm-hmm. so having a consistent line, I'm thinking like, how does she do all this scrolling? And then when I saw you post video or the first time I saw a video of you using that clamping device and rotating around, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's how she, and I was like, yeah, I was mesmerized. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm sure that's just, it's just a utensil to you. It's a, it's a thing that you use to get your job done. And you don't think that's probably very interesting. It's just a tool. Oh, exactly. And you know, that's another fun thing is I think some people get really wrapped up in having top of the line equipment, even before they start, like, I've seen it with woodworkers. I'll just use that as an example. Like I know a couple guys that just outfitted like ridiculous wood shop and they didn't even, oh, yeah. <laughs> they hadn't even really started yet, but man, they had the tooling to make whatever, which is exciting. But at the same time, like I've, my uh, vice that you're referring to, it's called a rolling ball vice. And basically it's just this ball that sits on a tire and it allows me to maneuver it. I have seen those that people have made out of bowling balls. So they've taken like a real bowling ball and they put it on a sandbag and they just like hook up a vice or a small clamp. And it's like the hillbilly way to do it. And it works just fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So right. it, it goes to show now you I need don't to always one. need like the top of the line stuff either. So it, it is kind of fun. I, I love to see what tools are in people's shops. I can see how that would be interesting to you because that's, it's a tool that you don't use in your shop. Right. And yeah. It, it, it's always intriguing behind the scenes. And I think what it does is it uh, essentially accidentally educates your audience on how things are done. Um, and in when you're making things for a living, that justifies expertise. And it shows that, you know, you are a professional. You're not, you know, you're using professional quality tools as well as like putting the time and effort into uh, showing those off to people. And I think there's a lot of mystery behind the you know, tradesmen and women and, and the crafts and stuff. And by breaking down those barriers, you create a more pleasurable learning experience and buying experience for your end consumer. Um, and that's a huge value out on Instagram. I think that it's a really easy win for anyone that's like on the fence of selling stuff and being on Instagram. It's like, well, you just create this, you know, uh, I guess portfolio of information for people that could potentially be buying your stuff um, and you don't even have to, you know, throw it at them. They, you could just point them in the right direction and let them go down a rabbit hole. Um, and, and if you're emphasizing the right things within your content, it could really add a ton of value to your brand. Um, and I learned that from, you know, selling custom work for a while, um, that, that if you're just, you know, consistently showing that you're putting quality before you're putting, um, quantity in, in your work. And, and if you can always just try to educate and inspire, um, with that type of content that you can win and you don't have to worry about virality and you don't have to worry about if it's the hot new trend, does it use led lights? Is there any <laughs> epoxy pouring around it? Like it doesn't matter because that is not your end goal. So I think that's just, it's just so cool to see. And I've learned so much just from watching your content in that, like, uh, the type of toolings that are similar to woodworking with like your, uh, your fret saw 
in your mm-hmm. jewelry saw. You know, I, I have the same one. Obviously, we use different blades and stuff, but I'm like, wow, that is so cool. Like, I feel like I know a fraction, tiny little part of what goes into what you do now because I, I've held a similar tool in my hand. And I think that uh, by creating content around stuff like that on Instagram, you can, you can, that's, that's the type of reaction you can get. Um, and even if you're selling things, it can be truly valuable to your, to your brand. Yes, I, I agree with that too. And I, that kind of gets back to what you're saying earlier about the chair. You know, I, I see people using those and modeling those, how they're used. And I just get interested in how can I incorporate that with what I'm doing. I, I don't want to become a woodworker. I'm not going to change my focus, but maybe I can learn some fundamentals of woodworking that I could do little bits um, to incorporate with what I'm doing. A good example of that would be wood turning. I did a little bit because I wanted to make my own handles for engraved wax seal stamps. Um, I wanted to make the whole thing. I didn't want to have to buy those from someone else or take the handle off of something else. I wanted it to be completely made by me. So I like to find ways where I can incorporate that into what I'm doing. So I'm not you know, necessarily skewing way out into something else, but kind of bringing it in just to complement what I'm doing in a different way. So who knows, John, you might use that saw and like cut something out fancy and inlay it. Yeah, that's my goal. (laughs) But no, I mean, even, uh, so, so even just having my, you know, that in my head, like knowing I could use the same fret saw with a better blade. And then I'll obviously call and ask you what to be using, but like (laughs) Potentially, maybe even just putting a small letter in inset into something mm-hmm. is the same kind of re- reciprocated result there as if you learned a little bit of basic woodworking and needed to make a jig for yourself in order to hold or clamp something. And you're like, oh, if I just did these three things that I learned in my chair class, I mm-hmm. could easily move or adjust this jig in order to be able to use it better. Um, having that you know kind of broad understanding of things and appreciation, I think as well, um, can really subtly add value to, to your brand. And, and I mean, that's a little bit outside of like usage on Instagram, but I just think generally as you know, creators and makers, uh, constantly just trying to get better and learn more things and not, and being, you know, a sponge of information out there. Just so cool. And that's why I think, uh, I, I love that about Instagram as well, that it kind of breaks down those barriers and allows the visibility across whatever borders there might be. Um, for people like ourselves to create friendships and then learn from each other and then be able to bounce ideas and and uh, and be able to use each other's skill sets or knowledge. Um, and, and then, you know, you're, I will probably, hopefully maybe we could figure a way to do business in the future. But like, that's not the goal initially. And I think a lot of people's apprehension towards something like Instagram is that you just assume like, why would I talk to them? I'm never going to do business with them. Or like, <laughs> why would I want to teach this young person that's asking me how to do Morris and Tenon joinery? Like, they're going to compete with me and steal my business. Like, no, it's not like that. Um, and, and so I think just like all encompassing, uh, just such a, such a cool atmosphere. Um, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I love your Instagram feed. I think it's extremely inspiring. Um, I also love the, it was extremely flattering when you put the punch today in the face on the wall in your, uh, in your workout room. I love that. Yes. So like that, that was something that I just never caught me. I never expected. Um, and then you were drawing it with, you know, two hands and, and, and making it look way better than what I did. But like, uh, I think using Instagram, it can be hugely valuable. And I think you're a prime example of how, you know, our listeners that are looking to do something that's not say what Brad and I do can get a lot of value out of this conversation and a lot of value out of, you know, following someone like yourself 
um, and just even learning through osmosis of just consuming your content because it's 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 cool. It's awesome. It's it's great to see someone succeeding in the way you are in how you're doing it and not selling out to just make viral content. Like I love that. And you just mentioned something too, like a lot of people, they don't want to share what they do um, because they don't want people copying them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because I've seen that specifically in the realm of engraving. A lot of engravers are really secretive about it and how their process and everything. And that's fine. Um, but if you're just holed up in your shop and that's all you do and the only product you're showing is your end product. To me, there's just, it just takes away a lot of the personal element. And I kind of had to get over the fear of that because I had that fear too. I thought, boy, if I start like recording things, people might start copying. And well, with any of these crafts, if people want to learn how to do them, they're going to find out how to do them. People are going to get woodworking books. They're going to watch videos. It's the same with engraving. This isn't just my skill that I own. It's out there. So I would rather show what I'm doing and tell my own story and try not to worry about that element of it um, as much. Because if I did, I would have just missed out on this whole opportunity of getting to know people and having my work seen by a larger audience. If I had just lived in fear of people copying my work, um, I would have never really branched out beyond Etsy. And unfortunately that kind of peaked. And then I really would have been stuck with what am I going to do with my work? And I did not want to do arts and craft shows. I've done that before. And that just was not the road I wanted to take. That's tough. So for me, you have everybody has to weigh it individually and if that's something that's going to really eat at you that people are copying you or people are asking you questions of how to do that what you're doing then maybe instagram is not the best thing for you (laughs) but if you can get past that and just think you know this is what i'm doing this is me this is what i want to share this is what's going on it's it's a different it's really freeing and you can just kind of do do your own thing it's the same as, as with the, you know, chasing the viral. I just think you have to be comfortable with yourself and your process and what you do and find your own niche. Like I want to inspire people to grave. I don't want people to copy my engraving. I, I don't, it's very personal. I spend a lot of time coming up with my designs. I don't want people to, to just directly copy what I do. That's not what I'm promoting. I'm, trying to promote finding your own path, finding your own expression through whatever that might be. If it's engraving, then find that way that you can express yourself through engraving, not trying to mimic what I'm doing. Same thing. I get a lot of times watching builders. If if you guys are coming out with plans and product and YouTube shows to show how to make an item, that's great. You're inviting people to do that. But Also, you can invite people to learn woodworking and put their own spin on it. It's not just seeing somebody who's successful and then copying what they do because people will feel that. They will know that you're ripping somebody else off. There's just, you can't, you can't sustain that for long periods of time. You have to find where you fit, if that makes sense. Yeah, it it totally makes sense. And, and, um, you know, that it, it is obvious, right? And even it's it's very obvious it's it's more obvious i think is you know we've all run into that right in our business and it's always more obvious to the to the peers of that person mm-hmm. than it is to the general audience and then you know 
and you think like, I wonder if people really see that, or I wonder if people really know that, oh, they, they didn't invent that, or they didn't make that, or, or that's you know, something that they exactly took from somebody else without giving credit or, you know, things like that. And, and I think that's another thing that if you get caught up in that, that you, you know, you, it can just take up too much mind space. If you think like, oh, well, that, and, and I always love the saying, like, there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there are some really unique designs. And there are some things that are like, oh my gosh, this is the first time I've ever seen that. But those are few and far between, especially in woodworking design. Most of the stuff I make is cabinetry. Like if you looked at any single one of my designs, like a hundred people have made everything so that I've ever made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like, <laughs> exactly. Like I did not invent the flip top, even though a lot of people think I did. Like, no, I did not. I'm fully open about that. Like I took it and I, I made it a little bit better of what I thought I wanted, but mm-hmm. Uh, and then people have made that since then. And I'll get emails or people are like, Hey, somebody just ripped off your flip top. I'm like, no, no, they didn't. I don't own that. That's not mine. And, oh, they changed it or they, they've given credit or whatever. Like, and, and you know, there was a brief moment where I started getting caught up in that. I was like, I know, like, this is exactly what you said. Like I, I let it go, even though in your sense, I'm sure it's even a little bit, uh, more personal. Cause like you said, like, you know, you own that design and that's something that you've really made into your your business, but still at the same point to, to kind of have that open armed and say, Hey, I'm going to try to help people find their way. I, I think that's awesome. I mean, I think it's really great advice, but one thing we also like to, uh, to ask our guests is what advice they do have. So that's a great piece of advice, but is there any other, you know, is there any advice that you'd like to give the audience? If, uh, you know, somebody who's just starting out trying to find their way in this craft or in business, uh, what would you tell them? As far as the craft aspect goes, I would say um, my best advice is really to, to find your own path. It's easy to take in all the information advice, um, but I would weigh it all with a grain of salt. I mean, we know it's great to promote. It's great to be on social media. It's great to get your product out there, but it's, it's a formula is only going to take you so far. You have to find a way to make it personal, make it your own journey. So whether it is, you know, how you document, document what you're doing, um, how you, how you do your process. Like if, if you're trying to replicate exactly what somebody else is doing, it's probably not going to work. So you really have to listen to yourself, I think throughout the process. So we've touched on that a little bit as far as the Instagram, but also, as an artist and a maker, you have to find where you are driven and where your creative energy is most effective. So for example, for me, like I mentioned right from the start, engraving on tools is not new. This goes back hundreds of years with hammer and chisel engraving. You can see in museums, um, different swords and, and hammers and all kinds of tools that have engraving. So I'm not reinventing, you know, woo, she engraves on tools. <laughs> but I found a way to do it that's my own expression. And that was why I didn't want to get too channeled into the way traditional engraving works. I wanted to be able to put my own stamp on it. So yes, I do a traditional trade or a traditional handcraft of engraving. But I bring my own self to it, my own personality, and that's what keeps it interesting for me. And I think that that projects to other people because they're like, hey, what's Jenny working on? Like, okay, like she's taking a lock and making it 
this art piece that's so weird but kind of interesting. So now I want to watch that happen. Or I want to see how those calipers turn out. Or I want to see what this new hand plane is. Then I feel like you're kind of drawing your audience in. And I think that applies with a lot of different types of making. If your heart is in it and your drive and you're just passionate about what you do, you'll attract the audience that you need. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I mean, and, and that always comes to the forefront, right? I mean, if you're if you're passionate about what you're doing and you and you love it, like you can't hide it. And it, it that'll be uh, a huge selling point of your brand. So that's a great piece of advice. Like, don't get caught up in all the BS. You know, put put your passion first. Uh, I, I love that. It's something that I <laughs> I fall uh, victim to here and there. Is that you know I'm not good at the executing on the analytical aspect of things, but I'm just out here just trying to crush it. Like, And I might not be doing it the right way every single day, but at least I'm trying to get better. And I think that comes through in my brand. And it's something that I uh, I definitely appreciate hearing from someone like yourself. Um, so very good advice. I really dig that. It's been, it's been so awesome having you on the show. Um, you know, just, just getting to sit down and actually chat instead of just dibble dabble I know. on I feel, Instagram. I feel like we should, I know, I feel like uh, John, you've got, you need to make sure you have really good artwork for this one. Yeah, I'm so, gonna, you know, I'm gonna something <laughs> embellished. John's gonna have to spend a couple hours in uh, put my week towards an Illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yes, Jenny, uh, fantastic talking to you. Uh, and and we, I know you've uh, reached out to both John and I. It's been great just getting to personally know you, and we really appreciate what you do uh, for the community as well. And so now also sharing with our audience, we really appreciate having you on the show. Well, thank you for having me. This was great. Absolutely. All right, guys. We will get back to you in the next episode. Man, I love having these artists on the show because their mindset is so different. And uh, Jenny's feed and just everything she does is like so inspiring to me because it just blows my mind. Yeah, she's it's so talented. When, when I first saw her go from writing with one hand to the other, I, I, my jaw <laughs> literally dropped to the floor. So such a cool conversation. It was so nice to, to be able to chat with her, not only... Uh, via Skype or in person as we do these shows, but you know, just to have a conversation that's more than just on Instagram. So it was absolutely amazing having Jen on the show. Um, yeah. And if you guys were dug that episode as someone who was quote unquote, not in the woodworking community, but is absolutely still an incredible maker. Let us know what you thought. Head on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash made for profit tribe and drop us a line. Let us know what other types of artists like Jen you'd like to see on the show. Absolutely. And if you want to get all of Jen's information for her website and Instagram, you can head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 92. Uh, we will also have the link to the spring make show, which we talked about and you can get that $200 off on registration using code MADEFORPROFIT. So thank you so much, guys, and we will catch you on the next one. John, let's go hit this after show. Let's do it. Let's do it.